We are in the middle of a sermon series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, based on the book by that title, written by Pastor Pete Scazzaro. Uh, Today we are looking at chapter 6, which is titled, Discover the Rhythms of the Daily Office and Sabbath. Last night, as I was finishing up my sermon, I, I shared with my wife, Rochelle, that after hearing about Rosie Chin's death and knowing how shocking and devastating that would be for our congregation, and I, I, I shared that at the beginning of our service for those of you who maybe came a little bit late, um, that, that, that sad news that, that Rosie um, passed away and is in his home with our Lord, but, but the loss of, of her. And I just was, I was struggling, to be honest, last night as I was you know, thinking about preaching today and, and talking with my wife and just, I said, you know, I, I'm just... I'm struggling with the idea of preaching a sermon about the daily office and Sabbath um, in the midst of this loss, and, and I, I felt like, you know, in many ways, last Sunday's topic about grief and loss would have been much more appropriate, but Rochelle, she said this to me. She said, actually, Andy, this is exactly why we need the daily office and Sabbath, because our world is full of tragedies and losses And things that just weigh on us. And we can get so overwhelmed by these things. And that's why we need to stop and rest in the Lord. And be centered in God daily and weekly. That's our only hope of getting through moments like this, right? Is to rest in him, to go to him in prayer daily. And to rest in him in the Sabbath and so after she, she told me that, I'm so thankful for God's gift to my wife to me, I felt, all right, I guess I can preach the sermon tomorrow. <laughs> um, so I'm preaching this, you know, uh, but I'm also preaching it knowing, again, the, the weightiness of just what all of us are feeling uh, today as well. Um, well, in this week's chapter, Pete Scazzaro, he, he uses this image at the beginning of the chapter of a blizzard. A blizzard to describe what our lives can often feel like. And, and especially what our culture often presses upon us. Um, you know, sometimes that blizzard is these moments of, of tragedy and loss. And, but other times, you know, that blizzard, as he describes it, it's, it's, the, it's the fact that, that we are just, we're so busy in our lives. Right? We're, we're constantly on the go. And we're multitasking. And we're overscheduled. And we are bombarded by information. Right? We're just constantly hearing all this stuff, this noise. And we're hearing about tragedies all over the world. And, and, and it can just feel like a blizzard sometimes that we get lost in. And we get exhausted in the midst of that. And so in the midst of this blizzard that, that is just swirling around us in our lives. And, and that blizzard may look very different for for each of you, and it, it might depend a little bit on even your life stage of what you're going through, what that blizzard feels like. Our, our students you know, who are here, our middle schoolers, feeling the blizzard of, of just homework and, and extracurricular activities and, 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 and things like that. And those who are working, sometimes the feeling of just the relentlessness of, of, of work, the pressure to work 60-hour you know, weeks. And, and if you're parenting, just the struggle of care, you know, caring for your kids. And even those who are retired, we can get get really busy even in retirement, right? Just filling our schedules with, with lots of, of things. And, and in the midst of this blizzard, this week's chapter talks about two practices 
that can keep us grounded, that can keep us anchored in the midst of the blizzards of life, the daily office, and Sabbath. And we're going to talk about what those two practices are this morning and why they are such a key to this idea of emotionally healthy spirituality, why these tools could help us grow in, in health in our spiritual lives. So to help us see that, the text that we're going to be looking at today is the Sabbath commandment in the Ten Commandments, which is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. So I'm going to read that, that commandment for us. Exodus 20, beginning with verse 8. God proclaims this from Mount Sinai to Israel and to us. He says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray. Lord, teach us today how to rest in you, how to receive these practices as a gift from you, as you invite us in the midst of the blizzards around us, to be centered in you. Do that in us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start this morning by just, just looking at and explaining what is the daily office and Sabbath. What do I mean by, by these two? What, is, what does Pete Scazzaro mean when he talks about these two practices? Well, the daily office, and that, that's probably the one that's maybe less familiar to most of us. We've probably heard about the Sabbath. But the daily office, it's an ancient spiritual practice. And basically the heart of the daily office is stopping multiple times a day to be with God. Stopping multiple times a day to be with God. And that could be in prayer, in, in scripture reading, in silence. Uh, the word office comes from the Latin word opus, which means work. Um, maybe you don't think, what, how is you know, stopping to be with God work? Well, the heart of actually the daily office is that it is creating a space multiple times a day for God to work. For God to do his work in us. Uh, the idea of, of stopping multiple times a day for prayer actually goes way back into ancient Israel. Back into the Old Testament, the prophet Daniel prayed three times a day. Even when the king made an edict that you could only pray to him, Daniel said, no, I'm, I am keeping with this rhythm of praying three times a day. Um, in, at the time of Jesus, uh, the Jewish people would pray in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. In the book of Acts, we read about how Jesus' disciples followed that same pattern, that, that, that they went to the temple in Jerusalem for set times of prayer. They invited, they, they, they based this, this rhythm into their lives of, of pausing at various points to be with God, to pray. And then in, in 525 AD, a monk named Benedict created a formal structure for set times of prayer throughout the day that became kind of a framework for 
that monastic community that he was a part of. And, and Benedict actually had eight daily offices. And one of them was in the middle of the night. So you had to wake up in the middle of the night to, to pause, to pray, and spend time with God. I'm being easy on, 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 on you guys. You know, we're not doing eight daily offices. Um, Pete Scazzaro, the, the author of this book, he witnessed this daily office rhythm for the first time when he visited a community of Trappist monks in Massachusetts. And he talks about that in this week's chapter. Um, he says this about that, 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 that time when he went and spent time with them. He says, it was their intentional arranging of their lives around the prayers of the daily office that moved me. This was their means to remain aware of God's presence while they worked and to maintain healthy balance in their lives. This rhythm of pausing for the daily office offered a key to unlocking the secret of paying attention to God and being carried in his presence throughout the day unlike anything I had experienced in almost 30 years of following Christ. For many of us, we may have grown up with this idea of having daily devotions or a daily quiet time, um, often in, in the morning, you know, as a, as a kind of the start to the day, or maybe in the evening at the end of the day. But the daily office encourages us actually to build prayer and time with God into our day at multiple points. Not saying that, that a morning devotion time or quiet time is a bad thing, right? But, but, but he's kind of giving this idea that, that, that it's not enough just to have kind of one time in the morning, but that we actually need to pause throughout the day to be refreshed, to be reminded again of God's presence with us and to, to pause to be with, with him. Uh, the, the daily office encourages us to, to build this. Um, and this idea of stopping at multiple times a day can actually have a transforming effect. This is what Pete Scazzaro saw in the lives of these monks, and he experienced it in, in his own life as he began to practice this. Um, over the past few weeks, many of us have been trying this practice out um, as we've been going through this, this book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, day by day. Um, and, and we've been encouraged, again, not to have eight offices a day, but just two, just to pause twice a day. Um, and we've been pausing to have this, this sort of pattern that, that Scazzaro kind of lays out here of being silent for two minutes and then reading a short passage of scripture and, and a devotional, considering a question, reading a short prayer, and then concluding with another two minutes of silence. And that whole experience can, can be as short as six or seven minutes. You know, it's not like a huge chunk of time, Right? But it's this idea of pausing, to be silent, to be with God. Now, that's just one possible structure for a daily office rhythm. Um, personally, I have actually found this to be really helpful for me, just kind of doing this in my own life over the last few weeks. But in the chapter, Scarzera points out there's no one right way to do the daily office. Right? It, it, can, it can vary depending on us, our personalities, and what, what's working. But in the chapter, he lists four primary elements that should be included in any daily office. And so I just want to go through those really quickly. The first is, is just stopping. Stopping our work. Taking a break from whatever we've been doing. And you know what? In the middle of the day, that's hard, right? You're in the middle of, of, of working or doing something. The idea of actually just stopping, pausing, saying, you know what? I'm going to put a 
pause on this. I'm going to take five minutes to connect with God. That can be hard sometimes, but that's the, that's the first step in, in a daily office is stopping. Then the second and third steps are centering and silence. Sometimes when we're, when we're working, 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 and we stop, it can be hard to kind of just transition into being with God. And so we need sort of a time to just to center, to, to rest, to be silent, to say, God, my mind is racing 100 miles an hour, and I need you to just kind of bring me into this place where I can hear from you, where I can connect with you. And so this idea of centering, silence, being still, waiting on him. God, what do you want to speak to me during this time? And then the fourth element is scripture, listening to God's word. You know, we're not just, we're not doing Eastern meditation here of just emptying our minds, but we're filling our minds with God and what he wants to teach us with his word. As we, as we are waiting on him silently, but then he, he speaks to us through his word, meditating on it, thinking about how does it apply to my life? And so this, this, this practice of the daily office is one way that we can enter into this rhythm of, of work and rest throughout the day. If, if that is a daily rhythm, then the next practice, the Sabbath, is a weekly rhythm. And so the Sabbath, the heart of the Sabbath, is that the Sabbath is stopping and resting from work for one whole day every week. It is a weekly rhythm of stopping, resting, being with God. The passage I read earlier from Exodus 20 is when God gave the Sabbath commandment to the people of Israel. And in verses 9 and 10, God says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And when God first created Adam and Eve... He gave them work to do in the Garden of Eden. They were supposed to care for the garden and to care for the animals. And so work was actually a part of God's original intention in creation. A lot of us, the way we experience work is like work had to be, had to have come after the fall, right? Like work is just this annoying, frustrating, broken thing. But actually, no, the the heart of work, it was meant to be something good. It's meant to be a part of of how God shaped us to work and to enjoy his creation. And after the fall, our work became toil. Our work became broken. But work itself is, is, is actually something that God invites us into. But God also built into the fabric of creation right from the beginning that we need to rest from our work too. Work is good, but constant work is not good. We need rest And so he tells Israel, work for six days, but you have to stop working on the seventh day. You need to rest. In verse 11, God actually (coughs) grounds the Sabbath commandment in creation. Um, He says in verse 11, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God himself rested on the seventh day after his work of creation. And so he tells Israel and he tells us, we are to imitate him. We are to follow his rhythm and to rest one day every week. In this week's chapter, uh, Pete Scazzaro also outlines four principles 
for observing the Sabbath. Uh, four ways, kind of keys to, to what it means to, to, to practice the Sabbath in our lives. I think are, are a helpful guideline in thinking about this practice. And the first principle is actually the very same one as the daily office. It's just to stop. To stop. The word Sabbath actually literally means to stop. And so with the Sabbath, this, this stopping, though it, it's not just for six or seven minutes. The Sabbath stopping is stopping for 24 hours for a whole day of stopping. That is a lot more challenging for us, isn't it? What are you stopping when during the Sabbath? Well, in Exodus 20, God says we're to stop doing work. Now, this raises all kinds of questions, and you probably have a bunch of questions running through your own mind about this. Um, what, what exactly is work? What does work count as? You know, what, what, what can we do? What can't we do on the Sabbath? And actually, in Jesus' day, they were wrestling with very similar questions. There were all kinds of rules that had been developed around the Sabbath over the centuries, you know, since God gave this command um, about what is considered work and what's forbidden on the Sabbath. Um, one Sabbath, Jesus' disciples were walking along in some feet, grain, you know, uh, fields of, of grain, and, and they started picking some heads of grain from the field, and the Pharisees started complaining that to Jesus, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath. Right? They're picking grains. That's work on the Sabbath. The Pharisees were very legalistic about the Sabbath. And what was Jesus' response? Jesus' response to them was, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath is meant to be a gift for us. God made it for us, for our good, because we need rest. We need to stop. It says it's, it's, not, it's not that we were made for the Sabbath. It's not that, that the Sabbath is this list of all these regulations that, that we have to somehow keep in order to please God or, or something like that. No, no, no. The Sabbath actually is a gift from God. But in order to experience that gift, we need to stop. It needs to be a different kind of day than the rest of our week. Now, I don't know exactly what you will need to stop doing one day every week to experience the gift of the Sabbath. But the next three principles of observing the Sabbath might help you determine what that is. So I'm not going to be legalistic myself about giving you a list of do's and don'ts. But as we look about other elements of what the Sabbath is, hopefully that'll help us to see what, what do we need to maybe stop doing on our Sabbath. Well, the second principle is to rest. One day a week, we are called to rest, to stop working, to stop striving, to stop hurrying and multitasking, and just rest. Take a nap. Go for a, a long, slow walk. Be lazy. I give you permission on the Sabbath to be lazy. Don't be productive. One day a week, God invites us to stop worrying about doing and producing and accomplishing and to just rest. 
Allow your body to physically rest. It needs it. Allow your mind to mentally rest. Maybe, maybe, maybe what you need to stop doing is, is watching TV and, and being on your phone constantly and being on your computer, right? Maybe resting means saying, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let my mind rest for a little while. I'm not going to bombard myself with all this stuff that happens so often. I don't know what it means for you, but, but we're invited in the Sabbath to rest. The third principle is to delight. When God finished his work of creation, he proclaimed it was very good. And so he, on his first Sabbath, the seventh day, he delighted in his creation. He just looked around and said, oh, isn't this a great world that I've made? Isn't this a beautiful creation? And he just sat back and just delighted in what he had made. And we, as, as we are to imitate God in the Sabbath, we are invited to do the same thing, to delight in God's creation, to delight in his work. In this week's chapter, Pete Scazzaro gives some examples of this. He says, we are to slow down and pay attention to our food, smelling and tasting its riches, instead of just shoveling our food in, needing to get on to the next thing, to, to sit and, and enjoy this goodness that God has given to us, the food that we eat. He says we are to take the time to see the beauty of a tree, a leaf, a flower, the sky that has been created with great care by our God. On Sabbaths, God also invites us to slow down, to pay attention and delight in people. Scazzaro writes, I try, for example, to walk slowly. Hear that, New Yorkers? Walk slowly on the Sabbath. Pete Scazzaro, he's from Queens. He, he knows the struggle of that too. But, but to, to, to move slowly. He says, leaving lots of free space and time on Sabbaths so I can stop for unexpected conversations with neighbors or family or shopkeepers. I ask God for the grace to leave the frenzied busyness around me and be a contemplative presence for others. So we're invited to delight, enjoy the things that God's given us. And then that, there's the fourth principle, which he says is to contemplate. To contemplate God himself. And of course, this is really the, the, the heart of the Sabbath, is, is to stop and rest, not just physically, but to rest in God. The beginning of the Sabbath commandment says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That word holy means set apart. And, and it often means specifically set apart for God. So, so the people of Israel, when they, what did they do on their Sabbath? They gathered together to worship God. To rest in his presence and to, to gather, to worship. And after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven on the first day of the week, Christians began to sort of take that idea of gathering to worship and to rest and they moved it to Sunday. To the first day of the week. And so for many Christians, we, we view Sunday as sort of the New Testament continuation of what God instituted for Israel in the Sabbath. That we rest on the first day of the week when Jesus rose from the dead as we live into this new resurrection life that God has given to us. But in Romans 14, Paul talks about how 
Christians may differ in what particular day they consider to be special. And he tells us not to judge each other about this. So there are some Christians that worship on Saturday. There are some Christians that worship on Sunday. And and you know what? There are some Christians who, because of their work schedule, they can't rest on Sunday. They're working on Sunday. And so for, for some, the Sabbath needs to be a different day of the week. It's not maybe a Saturday, a Sunday. And so, so I tend to agree with, with Pete Scazzaro, who, who suggests that, that we have the freedom to choose what particular day of the week we are going to observe as a Sabbath to the Lord, how we're going to rest in God. The important thing is that we have a consistent day where we are stopping and resting and delighting and contemplating our God. For me, as a pastor, Sunday is a work day for me in a lot of ways. And so I need to rest after Sunday on Monday to delight in God and to just soak in his presence and rest in him. You know, for, for, for most of, of you, though, Sunday can be a great day for that, especially because we do gather as God's people. Right here, we're, we're invited to contemplate our God together and to rest in his presence so that's what the daily office is. That's what the Sabbath is. But what are, why are these two practices part of what it means to have an emotionally healthy spirituality? So that's just the, the last part of what I want to look at today is, is how do these practices transform us? What difference are they going to make in our lives? Why are, the, why are these practices important? Well, the first way is that they draw us into God's presence. They draw us into God's presence, and that is where we will be transformed, is in God's presence. We can get so busy in our days and our weeks that we can easily neglect spending time in God's presence. We, we just, we can get so busy. And so the daily office helps us to make space in our daily routines to spend intentional time in God's presence every day. And throughout the day. And the Sabbath opens up an entire day each week to be more attentive to God's presence. To slow down and rest and delight in God's creation and contemplate him. And that time with God on a daily and weekly basis, if you you do that, it will transform you. As As I've been going through this Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series, it's been personally transformative for me. And a large part of that has been practicing the daily office with the, these, this day-by-day book. Um, and maybe some of you have, have experienced that too as you've been going through it. There have been several times over the past few weeks when, when, when I've been just kind of going along, preparing things in my work, and, and all of a sudden I'm like, I better stop and do my daily office. And I'll stop, and as I sit in silence before God, and as I read through the devotional, there have been several times where, where God has just spoken very personally through the reading on that particular day, you know, through his word or through the devotional. And, and there have been some times where, where what that's been doing is that he, through that devotional, he's, he's revealing part of that iceberg in my life. You know, we can, we've, as we've been talking about this idea, we can so easily just busy, 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 running through life, and we're just living on the, on the surface, and we need sometimes to pause so that God can bring us deeper and say, take a look at this, Andy. You know, when you responded to that person this morning, what was going on there? Why did you respond that way? And he starts to reveal a deeper part of, of, of what, what's going on under the surface. 
And sometimes taking those six or seven minutes in the middle of my day has completely changed the rest of my day. It's changed the, how I've approached the rest of the day. And so, so being in God's presence, it transforms us. It will. But the second way that these practices can transform us is that they, they teach us to let go and to trust God. It is not easy to stop doing what you're doing. And this is particularly true when it comes to the Sabbath. Because you know what? There is always something more that you could be doing on that day. Instead of resting. And instead of delighting and contemplating. There will always be more work for you to do. More tasks to complete more emails to respond to, more errands to run. Guess what? Even if you do all of that work on the Sabbath day, you're never going to finish it all. And so guess what? God tells us, I give you permission to stop. Put it to the side, rest in me, and we'll deal with it after today. If you don't send that email on Sunday... The world isn't going to end. Okay? You will survive, even if your house remains messy for a day. It's okay. You can let the mess sit there for a day. You can afford to stop working because God is on the throne. And he has this world and he has your life in his hands. The act of stopping in the middle of the day to pray and the, the act of resting from work one day a week, it teaches us to let go of control. Because we so desperately want to control our lives and, and we feel that through our busyness and our work that we can figure it all out. And, and the Sabbath is an invitation to say, God, I'm leaving this in your hands. I'm going to let go. And I'm going to trust God, that you're going to keep this world running without me working for a day. And guess what? He always does. He always keeps the world running, even when we rest. I hate to break it to you, but one day, you will cease your work in this life forever. And when that day comes, the world will keep going. It will. That's a humbling thought for us, right? You and I are not as indispensable as we think. Your work, if you weren't working there, your company will keep going. Even if you were to die tomorrow, your children, they would survive. They would get through that. It's a huge tragedy, right? But you know what? The reality is, is that we sometimes have this feeling that our work is so Important that, that we have to do it. And God in, our, in the Sabbath says, no, 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 no. You can afford to rest. Practicing the daily office and Sabbath helps us to re embrace the reality in a good and healthy way that ultimately our, our ultimate destination is not working, but it's actually resting. That one day we will all rest. We will rest from our work in the presence of God. And the Sabbath is actually a taste of that once a week. Daily office is a taste of that each throughout the day. 
And so we can actually receive the gift of the Sabbath that God wants to give us. The gift of stopping and resting and delighting. As I was, uh, this, this past week, I was listening to a podcast where Sally Lloyd-Jones, the author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, was talking about how children have this ability to just play in such a carefree kind of way. Right? Don't you just love that? Like, I, I just love that with my kids, just seeing them. They just, there's just no cares. They're just playing, enjoying life. But she says that one of the things that she has noticed is that, especially for young children, that only happens when they know that their mom or dad are nearby. That when they know that, 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 that their parent is there, watching, you know, taking care of things, then there's this freedom to just, to just play. When they have that sense of security that comes, it frees them. And she wonders in this podcast if the reason that we as adults sometimes have a hard time being able to just play, to delight in the words of this chapter, is because we actually don't have that sense of security about our Heavenly Father. That actually we don't have that sense that God has us in his hands. And so we can just play. But that we actually worry and we doubt whether God is really has our, our lives in his hands. And that actually our overwork and our busyness and our anxiety and our inability to rest might actually reveal something about our hearts. It might actually reveal something in that iceberg that that we don't actually trust God to take care of us. And so we think that, that everything depends on us and our activity. And so we can't afford to rest and to play and to delight one day a week. There's too much to do, God. You don't know how much I have to do. I can't rest. But what does that reveal about our hearts? That we don't actually trust that God has our lives in his hands. And that we can afford to play. Because our Father is watching over us. So the practices of the Sabbath and the daily office can be transformational in helping us to let go. And to step out in faith and trust God. And as we do, God shows himself to be trustworthy. And we suddenly realize he will take care of us. He will take care of our loved ones. He will take care of all the things that we're worrying about. And as, as Pete Cesare talked about in this chapter, the ironic thing is that often when we actually practice the Sabbath and we rest for a whole day, guess what happens? The next six days are way more productive. We actually get way more done in those next days when we've taken time to rest. That shouldn't be the reason that we do it to be more productive on the other days. But actually, ironically, that, that often happens. When we listen to God, it actually works out. The last thing, way that these practices transform us is that they remind us that our identity is not based on what we do, but on what God has done for us. It can be so easy to think that our value comes from what we do, from our work, from our productivity. That is the message that our culture shouts at us constantly. It is the message that kids you're going to be hearing from your teachers constantly. Right? It is the message that, 
that your value is based on how well you perform. It is based on what you produce. It is based on what you achieve. And that if you don't achieve and if you don't produce, you're, you're a loser. You're a failure. And the gospel says, that's a lie. The gospel says, no. Your value does not come from what you do. It comes from what God has done for you. That has nothing to do with what we do. And so the act of stopping from our work, of being unproductive, of resting, reminds us that these things don't determine our value or our identity. That we can rest in what Jesus has done for us. Sally Lloyd-Jones, who I mentioned earlier, she wrote a children's book called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. And, uh, you know, in the, the scripture reading that already read earlier, Jesus talks about how you've revealed these things to little children, but you've kept them hidden, right, from adults. And sometimes we need to go to, to children or to children's book authors sometimes to actually understand deeper truths that sometimes we get blind to as adults. And I just want to read a, a selection from that book. The, the title of it is called Resting and relying. And she writes, when you were little, did someone big ever carry you? Think about when you were a little kid. For some of us, maybe that's not that far away. For others of us, that's a long time away. When you were little, did someone big ever carry you? Did you rest your head on his shoulder, leaning your whole weight on him. Faith is leaning your whole weight on God, resting your head on his shoulder. Faith means resting, relying, not on who we are or what we can do or how we feel or what we know. Faith is resting in who God is and what he has done and he has done everything. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. 1 John 4, 16. Brothers and sisters, we can rest and rely on our God. We can stop working and striving. We can stop trying to earn our value through our work. We can lean our whole weight on our Father, resting our head on his shoulder. And we can do that in our grief as we deal with losses like we're feeling as a congregation. And we can do that in our worries and our anxieties. And we can do it in, in the busyness of our world. And so in that scripture reading that, that we heard earlier from Matthew 11, Jesus says, and, and hear these words, I pray, Jesus says to you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden 
is light. Let's pray. Lord, help us to rest. To rest in you. In the midst of the blizzards around us. And the pressures of this life. And the voices that cry out to do more and to achieve more. And that our value is in what we do. And Lord, silence those voices and help us to rest and and to become like a child. To realize that our primary identity is, is little kids, children of yours. That you are our Father. That we can rest on you. That we can trust you with our work, with our anxieties, with our griefs. And that you will carry us. And that you will carry them. In Jesus' name, amen.